and welcome back to Olympic Size, the unofficial, unlicensed, unaffiliated with the IOC True History of the Olympics. I am your host, Bridget Natali, and with me is my co-host. I'm Sarah. And recurring guest. Frank Costello. Thrilled to be back. <laughs> really looking forward to this one. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's one of those times where, okay, so we're doing the uh, 1924 Winter Olympics in Chamonix, France. And, um... It's one of those times where it's, like, pretty warm here today. I actually had to turn off the fans. So we're going to be feeling real tropical in here. and uh, <laughs> Had to. Chose to. Well, For you, the listener. Yeah, so yeah. we don't have that droning in the background. Because we care. <laughs> this is a real professional uh, gig we have here. Uh, but, um, but, yeah, so, you know, nice uh, contrast here. And, yeah, let's get started. This is, this is going to be a short one. I don't expect it to go more than one episode. Uh, Challenge accepted. Yes. <laughs> You've made your first mistake. <laughs> okay. The first Winter Olympics were held in Chamonix, France. I don't... It's probably Chamonix or something. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. Anyway, it's in France in 1924. As we talked about last time, there is no Bill Mallon book about this one because the IOC actually got their act together and started produce, uh, publishing like good reports about what was happening at these games and he didn't have to like do these really extensively sourced and researched books to figure out any of it. So whoever they brought in for the Winter Olympics portion was like, guys, you've been screwing up the record keeping in we, the summer side. We should be writing We should just write down. all of this down. <laughs> yeah. People are going to want to know. There is an official IOC report about this one, but it's all in French, and it's never been translated, so I can't Whoa. read it. Never? <laughs> yeah. Google as far as I know, I could find. Just translate. Probably it'll work. Google translated that. What do you think is less reliable? A Google translated version of the IOC record, or the previous actual IOC record from any previous Olympic Games? Ooh. That is... Devastating. Is, yeah, I don't know... Um, anyway, so Brutal. this episode has been cobbled together through uh, internet sor sources. Because I, I got a bunch of books about the Olympics. Last time I was at Powell's in Oregon. Great used bookstore. It's massive. But they didn't... None of the books I got has anything about this particular Olympics in it. Are so. we sure that this happened? It did happen, yeah. Was it real? <laughs> yeah, because it's all on that French report. The first Winter Olympics was originally not the Winter Olympics. This was only decided in retrospect. At the time, they were officially part of the 1924 Olympics in Paris. So they were doing the same thing they had done in 1920 and I think 1912, where they had just the Olympic Games and then like they'd have some winter stuff during that time, but it wasn't a separate event the way it is now. And so then the Olympics would last like eight months. Eight months or just be eight hours away for the skiing part. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But so at, at, in, uh, let me see. Uh, yeah, so in like 1925, they had a meeting like, let's just pre let's just say that was a separate Winter Games. Like, because they'd been discussing it going into 1920, this sure. was a thing. Um, and then going forward, the Winter Games were their own thing. And up until the 90s, it was the same, eight, same year as the Summer Games, just in a different location. That sounds exhausting, but... Yeah. <laughs> sure. Uh, there were only 16 nations that participated, so I'll list them all in alphabetical order. Austria, Belgium, Czechoslovakia, Finland, France, Great Britain, Hungary, Italy, La Italy, Latvia, Norway, Poland, Sweden, Switzerland, the United States, and Yugoslavia. 
So you might have noticed that some former, quote, aggressor nations were permitted to participate. Well, there is one glaring omission. Austria and Hungary were invited. Uh, Turkey was also officially invited, but they didn't participate because they had no winter athletes. They did participate in the summer games. So at the time, it was only the Olympic games. Turkey was participating. Uh, Germany was once again banned <laughs> out of the central powers. They were the only one. Uh, frustrated over the continued ostracization. Ostra why did I use ostracization? I mean, ostracization. But they're not Austria. Right. Yeah, that's where you, the confusion To be fair, comes they're in. spelled differently. They so are, yes. That'll come through Unless, in the audio. It's a little, yeah, it's a, a little even closer when you use the German Österreich. <laughs> anyway, the Germans decided to make their own games called the Deutsche Kampfspiele, or German Combat Games. Ooh. I yeah. was about to. It's this, a yikes for me. Yeah. I was about to be really on board with the idea of like <laughs> we're not invited. We'll have our own Olympics. Hell yeah! <laughs> yeah. But uh, combat but, games. Um, oh boy. Oh yeah, it's exactly what you're well, thinking because this is 1924. Are you sure? Still, exactly yeah. What I'm thinking. <laughs> and things are gonna get ugly. They're going on uh, they're not Germany. exactly over there. Uh, they got some more fight left in them. At German Comic Games, it was a national multi-sport event for Germans only, designed oh. to promote quote German art. German song and German Volksgemeinschaft, or German all, people's community. It all worked out. It all went very well, and nothing it, bad ever happened. It's really done an about face since the earlier uh, competition is ungermanic. Uh, <laughs> we're not even coming to the Olympics because it wouldn't be. Now we're doing sportsman. feats of strength. Yeah. yeah. Um, a relatively benign enough at the beginning, it wasn't like Germany invented nationalism or would even have started this if they had been allowed to participate in the Olympics in the first place. The Deutsche Kampfspiele were held every four years from 1924 until 1938. And, as you can probably guess, the Nazis sure liked these games and quickly turned them into really awful displays of fascist ideology and military games. Yay. Yay. So, like, all the, like, um, you know, like, there was the military pentathlon that was all based on, like, things an officer could potentially be tasked to do in the field in a battle. It was all sports like that. R ride a horse? And shoot a gun. Jump over a horse. With, yeah, shoot a horse swim. on another horse. Do, do the baton twirl on a horse. Yeah. yeah. Uh, jump over eight horses lined up next like to Like a monster other. truck rally. Yeah. <laughs> um... But back to shamanics and the still relatively more noble Olympics, because when they were actually happening, these were a winter multi-sport event called the International Winter Sports Week, held in association with the 1924 Olympics in Paris. Um, there was no, so again, at the time, they didn't recognize it as a separate event. It was retconned into being a separate event. <laughs> I'm doing the like galaxy brain explosion gesture right now. Um, there was no opening or closing ceremony, no flame, no parade of nations, no emblem, no mascot, although they did have a really cool poster, probably used as our cover image, with, like, this, like, screaming eagle. Uh, Metal. Yeah. Um, it was, but it's like a Art Deco screaming eagle. Hell yes. Yeah, Man, the, just, the whole design sense back then. Yeah, People awesome. had taste. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was a recitation of the athlete's oath held by Camille Mandrillon. And some kind of recognition of the official opening led by Undersecretary of State Gaston Vidal. Of interest, if you ever look at photos of the Olympic ceremonies during this pre-World War II period, uh, there were a bunch from... There's a plane. We'll fix it in post. That's a really loud one. I feel like they're flying closer. Well, it's every also day. kind of overcast and we have the windows open. Anyway. All I'm saying is the planes are coming for me. 
I'm not paranoid. It's definitely happening. Okay. It could be a seaplane. Of interest. If you ever look at the at photos of the Olympic ceremonies during this pre-World War II period, you might notice a distressing number of athletes doing what appears to be the Zig Heil. <laughs> Uh, and for some reason, from the winter games, there were a lot of these when yeah. I was going through. They're, it's not what they're doing. <laughs> uh, the salute with the palm of the arm at a, like a 45 degree angle with the hand flat with the palm facing down, which is basically what the Nazis, how the Nazis would salute. Um, it was also used as the official Olympic salute until, well, 1948 was the, when they were like, Don't when do they that realized, anymore. oh no, this <laughs> is, like, oh yeah. no. Yeah, when they started the Olympics after World War II, they're like, duh, change that salute. Uh, 250 athletes. Okay, well, I'm changing subject now. So yeah, if you ever look at those old pictures, don't get weirded out. Those aren't all Nazis. Some of them, Nazis. Are. Some of them are Nazis. To ruin Some a lot are. of like the most swastikas, before, like clockwise and counterclockwise, <laughs> weren't objectively evil until the 30s. But. Yeah, it's yeah. But yeah, they don't do that anymore. But if you look at old photos, you'll see a lot of it. Look, the Nazis took a lot of stuff. Yeah, they. I mean, this it is ruined like, all of it. That's kind of their whole deal. Uh, of, of, the thing, of the of the crimes the Nazis permitted, the like making that form of salute unpopular is one of the less important ones. I, just, I mean, sure, but like I think we should note all Nazi crimes yeah, are bad. But all also, of them. like I don't want people to look at these pictures and be like, "What was happening <laughs> in 1924?" That's fair. Um, I mean, in it. <laughs> Anyway. The rise of fascism. Yeah, true, but <laughs> that's not what Unrelated to this picture, also, the rise of fascism. Also, yeah, they, some people were just saluting. Yeah. Uh, 250 athletes competed in 16 events in five sports. They were held over 10 days from January 25th, 1924 to February 5th. Just over 10,000 spectators attended. It was a, they said it was 10,004. So like just that's over. a very accurate count, and yeah. I don't trust it. <laughs> Given how good the Olympics are at numbers, it is the IOC's report. They couldn't right? get no, one. It's not. They couldn't yeah. get one through three correct in a lot of the previous events. I'm not letting them Don't get ten thousand and four. Oh, the, there's one of those in here. Great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're gonna start with bobsled, and we're gonna get a little bit into where these um, sports came from because there's not a lot happening in these Olympics, and I have the room. Sure, I will get oh. to this uh, pretty soon, I think. But like, do they have skeleton? Yeah, skeleton as a sport existed, but they didn't compete in it at the Olympics. They only did bobsled, or bobsleigh, um, as it was called at the time. And the only event was four four man sleds, men's only. I think still today, um, men are the like women only do two, two. I don't think teams. that's true. I feel like I remember seeing four person women's they'll team. have teams with more people on it like total but the actual sleds they only do the two person sleds so you'll have like two sleds to a team i don't know if i don't know i, I feel was, like i remember the last winter olympics I, well you can go I ahead and be, look that up but that could be i did i was it. looking at i can't it. you took me off the internet you can you can you can connect to the wi-fi i'm not on the wi-fi it's okay <laughs> right, anyway it's better this way <laughs> All right, let me... I'm going to look this up. <laughs> I'm sorry. Because when I was looking... Women's bobsled. Okay. I just, for some reason, can vividly remember seeing... Like, there a are... Like, women. you will have teams But they were all cuddling more... in the sled together. Shut that up. doesn't mean they were racing. Just... They were racing. <laughs> there was teamship... Teamship? Teamsmanship. Teamship is what my brain decided <laughs> to spit out there. That's cool. That's a word. Definitely. And real. I'm sorry that I've done this. Two women. Only two women. Okay, fine. They'll have teams of more women 
Like you'll have I a just, team. You'll have like a team that has two sleds. So you'll have four there's, women. There's nothing more unreliable than human memory. All right. Anyway. At the time, bobsled was called bobsleigh, and the only event was four man men's only. Uh, women, uh, the women's event, which is two two only. <laughs> they only they don't do four women sleds. Um, What's well, an Olympic event until two thousand two? Of the eleven teams, five didn't finish. Switzerland won gold, Great Britain silver, Belgium bronze, and France another team from Great Britain and Italy making up the rest of the teams that actually finished. Does not finishing a sleigh. Uh run mean that you went over an edge? Yeah. <clears throat> Don't those things go really fast? Was it different? It's the bottom of a hill. You're either going to get down there or you're going to die. How did they build a track? We'll get into that. Okay. Um, there's a couple of things that can happen to, to qualify as did not finish. One is that you went so slow that you didn't... <laughs> there's like a minimum... There's like a... <laughs> we do not have all day. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's like a maximum time that if you can't finish the run in that amount of time... You, you're, okay. you're disqualified okay. um, or did not finish. Um, they could have just not gone down like they had technical problems at the top and they're like, we're not going to do the run so they mm. didn't finish. Um, or they could have wrecked somewhere along the line. Right. And once once you have wrecked or stalled to the point where you're not going to hit your time, then you just yeah. get up and yeah, carry yourself Did not finish. Sure. Yeah. Um, bobsled is not an old sport and at the time it was very new. It was invented by Swiss hotelier Casper Badrut who made it up along with a number of winter sports in order to entertain his English regulars during the winter months, sometime in the 1870s. I really hope that they were passing these off as long-standing really, uh, traditions. Like, I don't for think... centuries, we have bobsleighed yes. down these hills. You English peasants, you absolute fools. No, no, it wasn't like that. It was like, this is a hip new thing. Uh, okay. like, well, that's disappointing. <laughs> he didn't like having a spa and hotel empty during the winter months, because that's like most of the months in Switzerland, um, in the Alps. So he made a bet with these regulars that he could make it worth their while to stay there when everything was covered in snow. If he failed, they didn't have to pay for their stay. If he succeeded, they'd have to pay and also tell all their friends how much fun it was for the rest of the year until the following winter. A good yet unenforceable wager. Yeah, but it's, they were all gentlemen. Um, these guys, these the English guys who were his regulars were connected. They were, quote, scions of royal lines, members of the aristocracy, and knew all kinds of people with all kinds of money in the 1870s. Uh, Bedrut invented bobsled, skeleton, luge, all these things. Uh, he most, was bored. Yeah, yeah, it's a long winter in the Alps. <laughs> Uh, mostly inspired by the narrow, winding streets of San Moritz. Soon, the antics of these rich guys racing their sleds down the streets of town... <laughs> yes. ...caused too many accidents. Yes. And in the 1870s, Bedrut built the first purpose-built half-pipe track. So they built the first half-pipe to avoid accidents. They, well, yes. they were bobsledding down the street. <laughs> Bowling over children, and they were like, "There has to be a better way." <laughs> and which, in I think I wrote, totally wrote the wrong year down. It's I wrote eleven eighty four, but I think it was eighteen eighty four. Was the model for the Cresta Run Skeleton Racing Track, which is still used today. It's one of a handful in the entire world devoted solely to skeleton 
and also one of a handful of, of half-pipe tracks that are naturally iced. So they have this track that in the winter gets cold enough that it just ices itself and they don't have to do anything artificial to it. It's I feel so like, efficient. But I feel like what I want here is for like this to be a series of like escalating winters where he's like the first time he's like, I've got this fun bobsled. You guys can all hop in. And then it's then, like, okay, the now we need something a little bored. bit bigger. Yeah, they're like, we now need, we're bored. Now like, we're going to luge, you guys. Backwards. We're going to go. We're going to do the luge thing. It's just, you're just you and the sled. It's very exciting. And Okay, now you're going to go. Now you're going to go head first. (laughs) No, two man luge where it's just you and your buddy on the side. Oh no, it's you have to hold on to your buddy, and then it's like he got like really into like that whole fanfic scenario where he was just like, I just wanted to see you guys hold hands on the luge. It's fun for me. I'm bored. It's the Alps, and it's the winter, and I'm so alone. Please visit me and ride my little sled. We're literally settling bets about boredom. The two of you onto this. <laughs> it's like the oh, there's only one blanket scenario. There's no, only there's only one sled. But me and Marcus want to go together. We gotta get to the bottom you guys, of the hill. Yeah, there's only one way to do it. You have to sit in his lap. You have to sit in his lap and hold on for dear life. It's all that you have. Okay, so forty, <laughs> 40 years later, uh, bobsled is still a pretty niche sport. It was one of. The, only it was the only one of these sledding sports to be held at the 1924 Olympics. We call it four-man sled, but at the time teams were allowed to have four or five teammates in the sled at a time. The only team that managed to medal with five members was Belgium. Uh, I I wasn't able to find much information about what these sleds were made out of or what they generally looked like. I did find that there was no weight limit until 1952. <laughs> Well, you could add whole extra people to it, so yeah. they couldn't have been carrying all that much. And they did know from the start that heavier sleds led to faster speed, so they were probably pretty heavy. You could just load weights into those things. Nobody cared. Um, like, a oh, fifth dude with a bunch of lead in his pockets. <laughs> also, in pictures I found from, the, from, uh, from 1910 and also from 1951, there was no bonnet over it. It just looked like a really long radio flyer sled with their legs, like, sticking out. That's what they yes. had. Yes. <laughs> So it, that might be why the gold medal time was 5 minutes, 45.54 seconds, compared to Germany's gold medal run of 3 minutes, 15 seconds, 15.85 seconds in Pyeongchang in 2018. Right. Well, they had to balance out the lack of aerodynamics with the extra weight. So apparently aerodynamics are better. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And let's see. Curling. Yeah. Yes. So this one is weird. For most of the... It's t- like dr- excuse you. It's, no, no, curling the, the is like they- dressage for rocks. <laughs> the look Sarah's giving Frank. <laughs> curling is a noble and beautiful sport. I agree. Yeah, I'm going to have you give you... You're going to have some time to talk about curling. Because we have time. We're going to expand a little bit on oh, some things today. Oh, you don't give me my two minutes. Yes. For most of the 20th century, the curling event at the 1924 Winter Olympics was considered an exhibition sport. But in February 2006, the IOC, again, retroactively decided it was a real event. You can say retconned. Yeah, they retconned it. (laughs) Entered the results into the official record. Before then, the IOC had never said whether it was an exhibition event or a medal event. (laughs) <laughs> they were literally just changing their mind on the fly. They well, just never felt the need to clarify. But if they weren't giving out medals, it wasn't a medal event, one would think. 
they could have just handed people medals and been like, no, it wasn't actually a medal sport. Those were participation. That medals. is a jerk move. Is yeah. that what they did? I, I kind of love do you, it. Would you put it past the IOC to do something? Not like even that? a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in this case, they decided after, like, you know, how many years later? Was it 80 years later? No, that was real. And, uh, <laughs> did they track these people down and give no. them medals? No, they didn't. Actually. Oh, no. <laughs> the reason they addressed this at all was because of an investigative report led by the Glasgow-based newspaper The Herald on behalf of the families of the gold medalists. That's beautiful. Right. <laughs> anyway. There's nothing else going on in Scotland. <laughs> yeah, they have nothing else to worry about. <laughs> nothing else. France, Great Britain, and Sweden all participated in a round-robin tournament with Great Britain winning gold. And I'm going to best bet most of them were Scottish, considering what happened. What else is there to do in Scotland but throw little rocks around and sweep? Uh... <laughs> Sweden won silver and France bronze. There was also a Swiss team attending as a, quote, non-participating team, but I have no idea what that means. That's I mean, like me in every Olympics. Considering, right? yeah. considering that we it wasn't are, even really an event until 80 years later, weren't they all kind of guys, non-participating? Guys, we're a non-participating bobsled team. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Uh, we should at least get a bobsled. The, this event was held outdoors, and I'm going to have... Sarah, if you wouldn't mind explaining how curling works, just a little extemp here, because I don't understand the sport. Wait, well, I mean, like, all I've done is play it, but, like, I don't know if I can remember how. You probably I mean, understand it better than I do. You, just... like, it's, it's like uh, horseshoes or whatever. Like, you just try to get the rock as close to the middle of the thing. There's, like, a little bullseye, there... and you slide the little rock down, and they're scraping the, they're, they're scraping the ice with the brooms ostensibly to make the rock go either faster or slower but like who can tell if that's really helping I don't know I put my back into it I was sore the next day it was great <laughs> curling rules it's very fun to do but it's like very much a, a sport invented for drunk Canadians and people in icy locales to play and like, the Scottish and yeah exactly I'm like the Scot the whole Scottish curling thing makes sense to me I think didn't they invent it they probably did. I that think, sounds I think right it is a Scottish sport. All I'm saying is I've played it once. Mm -hmm. It definitely feels like a sport that like people uh, a couple six packs in were like, dude, I have a great idea. <laughs> but like that means it rules. <laughs> like lawn darts. It's pretty much the lawn darts of the Olympics. It is the lawn darts of the Olympics. The ice lawn darts. So now what we need is the lawn darts in the Summer Olympics. There's just lawn darts. They already yeah. have the javelin. Let's do lawn darts. <laughs> javelin is back. also the lawn darts of the Olympics. Like... Somebody was telling me that they went to a cookout a couple of weeks ago in the Midwest, and, they, and their like mother-in-law got out lawn darts. Like and I was old like, lawn like darts. Real lawn like darts. We will kill like, you, lawn they're darts. They're illegal. It's illegal to own lawn lawn darts. And this woman pulled them out and was like, "Who's ready to have some fun?" <laughs> I'm like, "That's incredible. It's the most Minnesota thing I've ever heard of in my life." That's great. Lord bless and keep her. And on the plus side, if, if, if you're getting pestered by deer, you start checking. You start throwing lawn darts. Yeah. You're not going to have a deer problem anymore. You're not going to have a coyote problem. <laughs> you're not going to have a raccoon problem. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Anyways, curling. Curling, yeah. Remember this primer because because curling will disappear from the Winter Olympics after this. Showing up as demonstration only. They have they made that clear at the time in 1932, 88, and 92. I just returning for good as a medal event in 1998 in Nagano. I think it's a beautiful and noble sport, and everyone who plays it looks like they live in Wisconsin, and I love that. <laughs> I love that about it. Powered by cheese curds. <laughs> Ice hockey. 
Ice hockey, like curling and pretty much every other sport, was held outdoors at the 1924 Olympics because they didn't really have the technology to have indoor rinks at the time. Um, and it was cold and there was ice outside. Yep. It was in this year that we finally got away from the Bergval system and just did a round-robin tournament. So no winner, uh, losers compete for set goal. Uh, uh, remi- I was going to say, like, reminder for the listeners, that system is where it doubles the length of how many games you have to play yeah. for, like, no reason. Yeah, and you can, like, lose the final game to the gold medal team and then, like, lose every other game and you don't get a medal. <laughs> like, even though you made it all the way there. Anyway, uh, it was a single... Uh, with a sing- it was a round-robin tournament with a single elimination round in the finals to figure out who won that what medal. There were eight nations participating, Belgium, Canada, Czechoslovakia, France, Great Britain, Sweden, Switzerland, and the United States. And, oh boy, did Canada clean everybody's clocks <laughs> so like regular hockey yeah no, not even not even regularly like they whooped them they're they're on another level up there they it's all they do were. they defended their gold medal from uh 1920 in a suffocatingly dominant performance in the first round they beat Czechoslovakia 30 to nothing Sweden 20 sorry wait 30 30 not 3 30 30 that is not zero. a typo Sweden, 22 to nothing, and Switzerland, 33 to nothing. These are not scores that happen in hockey. This is what I'm saying. They scored a total of 85 points in the first round and gave up zero. (laughs) That's terrifying. Do they all have mullets? Because that's how I'm picturing them. I know Uh, it's the 20s. I don't care. 20s mullets. I don't know. In the final round, they beat... little Robert Barron mustaches. They beat Great Britain, 19 to 2. And the United States they lost some points. The United States managed to hold them to uh, six to one. That's I mean, a hockey score. Yeah, that's a that's a lopsided hockey. We score. We showed up to play hockey. Yeah. yeah, everyone else was like, "This is a weird form of soccer that I don't understand." <laughs> what do you mean I can't use my feet? <laughs> I have to use this stick. This is this is obscene. <laughs> In addition to Canada's gold, the U.S. took silver and Great Britain took bronze. The real star of the incredible Canadian team was 26-year-old Harry Moose Watson, to the point that he became a darling of the French spectators. That is so grossly Canadian. I, uh, his nickname was Moose. That is <laughs> actually kind of racist against Canadians. <laughs> Watson was a veteran of, <laughs> a veteran of World War I, having served as a flying ace with the Royal Flying Corps. In the first game versus the Czechoslovakians, he earned a hat trick in the first period. By the end of the game, he would score eight more goals for a total of 11, just by his, on his own. <laughs> um, Sweden managed to mount a defense against him for whatever good it did, and he only scored six times in that game. <laughs> uh, in the game against Switzerland, he scored 13 goals, which is still an Olympic record that is unlikely to ever be broken. <laughs> no, not now that multiple countries can play hockey, no. Yeah, right. <laughs> Um, while the Americans managed better than most against the Canadians, he still scored three goals in that game. Watson never went pro, opting to coach instead. The last time he took to the ice was 1933, when his team was short a player. He was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 1963 and the International Ice Hockey Federation Hall of Fame in 1998. I'm kind of impressed that being a coach isn't too close to, I'm air quoting, too close to being pro. To, to be a problem because I feel like there's been some similar pr- issues in the past where they kicked people out of uh, competition. Well, I mean, that's assuming if he got paid for it. There are some real questionable 
definitions of professional athlete in previous instances. True, true. Yeah, there was like the guy. No, um, there was the guy who like got. What was it? He had like instructed people on how to uh, do like rescue operations in the water. And he got paid for yeah, that. Yeah, he had been paid for being a instructor, a lifeguard, which is, a lifeguard instructor, which is sort of like a coach, but even <laughs> less so. And and then so he was deemed like a professional swimmer, and like he wasn't able to compete or something, or he got his medal stripped or whatever, whatever they did to freaking. Uh, what was that guy? The football player. Not gonna know names. Swift fixes a post. <laughs> Just like really obscenely insert it, like in a really obvious way. <laughs> Like what they did with Steve Grabowski. Yeah, <laughs> exactly like that. Anyway, um, figure skating. We're going to get into some Nazi stuff here. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. no. Did they oh, make no. one of the figures in figure skating? No, 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 no. Frank. It was 1924. That wasn't a thing yet. No, but but it, drawing it, shapes was still a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Figure skating. Oh, not a it's not figure. It's it's drawing figures. No, I'm ignoring everything else that you said. Of the 258 athletes who participated in the first Winter Olympics, 11 were women. They were all figure skaters, as that was the only event women were allowed to participate in. All right, I'll stop eating them here. <laughs> Problem solved. I'm not gonna cut that part out. I'm just gonna like. <laughs> oh no! Everyone's gonna know. Everyone's about gonna know. <laughs> I'm a fiend. Except for Hannah, because she doesn't listen. <laughs> She'll never know anything. <laughs> Let's all talk about our true feelings about Hannah and this in the middle of the podcast. She's just all right with me. <laughs> there were three events. Men singles, ladies singles, and pairs. Seven nations were represented and all won at least one medal, with Austria alone earning two, one in ladies singles and one in pairs. This just makes it sound like it's like a speed dating event. <laughs> uh, the event was held outdoors, and at the last minute, they decided to change the shape of the rink from rectangular to square. Some of the competitors had trouble fitting their routines. Oh, into the boy. So they the didn't. Figures. Yeah. They didn't extend the rectangle to square. They shrunk the rectangle to yes. square. That <laughs> so seems. Like, figure it out. I I, I but want, why though? Yeah, I want. Uh, you know what my guess is going to be is that they decided some of the ice wasn't safe. All right, because be it was guess. probably a lake, right? Yeah, no, they didn't have right. an indoor rink. This so was they outdoors just moved too. the traffic cones yeah. farther in. Yeah, so because they don't want the little girls to like fall through the ice <laughs> while they're like, doing their jumps. You, you guys think anybody's gonna notice? It's <laughs> <laughs> fine, right? This is a good. We it did can good just here. be a square now. Um, had we invented most of the jumps at this point? Do we have sow cows and all? We of had sow cows. Okay. I don't think Ulrich sow cow competed in this one. I think okay. he had retired. Do we have axles? I don't know. Do we have backflips? No backflips. You wait. I'm going to talk about when the backflips oh, happen. Man, have you? Oh no, sorry. I'm I'm literally just like about to feel like. Have you watched that Netflix special about Surya Bonnelly? So good. I have so many Surya Bonnelly feelings. It's so good. For when we have get you there. seen it though? It's so. I good. haven't seen it. I'll have to watch it's it. It's uh, it's the losers or whatever that show. It's like mm. about people who didn't win at their sport or whatever. And there's have. a whole episode about her, oh, and it's God. incredible. She was so good. All right. Anyway, <laughs> it made Hannah so mad for her. It was great. I. No, I know. I was like, you're going to hate everyone I by the end of like this. I was like 12. I was yelling at the TV. Yeah. No, it was stupid. They, yeah. They were awful to her. Anyway, uh, there are a number of noteworthy performances at these Olympics, so the point where it's difficult to know where to start. Of the competitors, you, one of the competitors you've definitely heard of, the others probably not. We're going to start with pairs because that is 
the most frustrating story. Oh no. You know, going back to Surya Bonali here. Uh, I, I love to be frustrated. Regardless, uh, nine pairs from seven nations competed in the event. Helene Engelman and Alfred Berger of Austria won gold. Ludovica and Walter Jakobsen of Finland won silver. And Andrea Yoli and Pierre Brunet of France won bronze. This was one of only three medals that France won at these Olympics, all bronzes. It was the first time the host nation did not win a single gold. They couldn't rig a single game. They were too French. It's something that's rarely occurred throughout the entire modern Olympics. You think the French aren't good at rigging games? No, they just didn't <laughs> care. Yeah, and they, they also... They were too busy being French and, and eating their baguettes. And they also weren't really focused on eyes on the prize in winter because it was all part of the same Olympics. Right. Did they win a gold medal at the Summer Games of this did. year? Then they, they figured yeah. it was taken care of. Yeah. They didn't have they to. They were like, we don't even have to try. All right. We can stay inside where it is warm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ha, ha, ha. The With real irony... to okay. our listeners. <laughs> But the, no thing apologies. About, the thing about this bronze, the real irony is, though, that Jolie and Brunet, who got married in 1929, uh, were the stars of the show. It started with Jolie's outfit. She wore a black dress to match Brunet's black coat uh, instead of the customary white dress. Ooh. And throughout the course of their career, Jolie and Brunet are credited with the invention of mirror skating, where they do the same thing at the same time, as well as... Is that a helicopter? Yeah, it's a helicopter. I think we're under attack. God damn it. We're doing we're doing like a red dawn thing here. Right. Instead of the customary die immediately. Instead of instead of the customary white dress. Throughout the course of their career, Jolie and Brunet are credited with the invention of mirror skating, where they do the same thing at the same time, as well as new jumps, lifts, and spins. Uh, however, when they did all these moves at the Olympics, the judges decided they, they performed too many tricks. <laughs> so, congratulations, you've invented most of figure skating. You invented too much of it at once. We will not be giving you a medal. They so they marked really, them down. They really did get the Surya Bonnelly. They did, Your yeah. show is too good for mortal eyes. We cannot reward this. We actually didn't see it physically. We were incapable of We were of blinded by your greatness, and so we missed half of your act, and we don't know if it was good, so we assumed we it actually. Wasn't. It, it, upset it, it upset us to have to think about it, so get out of our sight. This isn't... Are all the judges just ex-figure skaters who are mad? Yes. <laughs> that they didn't invent haters. basic shit about their sport? They, uh, this isn't the last time we will hear from this pair, so don't worry about that. They, they get their redemption. It's also Revenge. not... Spoilers. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they, <laughs> they killed them. Yeah, they just chucked their blades at the... Right. God. Yeah, why would you, like, do that to figure skaters who are armed with Yeah, skates? they have knives on their feet. Um, <laughs> it's also not the last time we'll hear about somebody being penalized for being too good. Like, we've been talking about Saria Bonoli. That's, like... I, I just, like... It just doesn't... I, it, it's just so upsetting to even think about, like, figure skating is such a crappy sport to have to do because it's all subjective. It's so subjective. And they're like, oh, you did something different like, so you don't get any points, like, even though you're literally, like, inventing a better version of this like, sport. Like, you know, problematic fave Tanya Harding, who was an incredible athlete regardless of what else she did, but she wasn't, like, graceful enough or, Which like, is exactly what happened to Surya Bonnelly, except she was, like, ten times as talented. And she was, like, super graceful, too, but she yes. was black, so... She was, well, and <laughs> she, that was, she was too was, athletic, too. Yeah. They were like, you scare us with your muscles and how good you are. 
there's other current events about that too. Uh, <laughs> I've got a oh, lot. Yeah. Of anger. Oh God. Yeah. We need a special episode of just just yelling about anger about yes. sports and how women are treated in them. Yes. And um, yeah. Frank, you can sit that one out if you want. You don't have to listen. No, you actually, you do have to listen to us. This is I, reparations. Yeah, I feel like I should just be here because I'll learn something. <laughs> Let's move on to men's singles, which is not as frustrating. Again, it does really sound like speed dating. <laughs> uh, men's singles, we're going to get into some questionably Nazi stuff. All right. Oh, no. So just like speed dating. Just like oh, speed Oh, well, the women's singles is where it really comes up, so that's the fun part. All right. In the men's singles, there were 11 competitors from nine countries. Brunei came in eighth in this event. The medalists were Gilly Grafström of Sweden winning gold, Willy Berkel of Austria winning the silver, and Georges Gauchy of Switzerland winning bronze. Grafström was an incredible athlete, winning records that no other Olympic athlete has ever has ever has and having long-term impact on the sport. Grafstrom was a returning Olympic champion and defended his gold medal easily. He was exceptionally good at compulsory figures, which we don't do anymore. So He was the best at the worst part of the sport. Yeah. Uh, he won gold in Antwerp, despite the fact that he broke his skate and had to use whatever they, he could get in town, which were curly-toed skates. Uh, I'm sorry? Not the type used for figure skating. What? I don't know exactly what those are. I have to see a picture well, of Well, curly-toed sounds like you won't be able to stop and turn at angles, which would yeah. be a problem for drawing shapes. I think picturing... it's like closer to what a speed skate is, is what I think. I'm just picturing, like, those little, like, shoes in, like, Aladdin where they, the toe, like, bends back. I don't think it's something that, that people use in com- competition. I think it's closer to, like, a speed skate of, out of anything. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm not too familiar with types of skates, to be honest. Did he have one of each, or did he switch to a pair I think of he'd the sw- other? I think he had a pair, because, like, I think having one of each would be worse. That's, but, like, sounds cool, though. <laughs> anyway. It does sound cool. He won his second of three gold medals in shamanics. He's still the only male Olympic figure skater to win three gold medals. Like, ever. Oh. Um, and usually after, like, two Olympics, their careers are kind of done. That's true. Every four years, so you age yeah. out quickly. Yeah. Um, and because that stuff is hard on your knees. <laughs> and, um, and one of two Olympic gold medalists to win golds Okay, one of two Olympic gold medalists in any discipline to win golds in both Summer and Winter Olympics. Because in 1920, figure skating was part of the only Olympics. The other guy is Eddie Egan, who we'll hear about later when we get to the 30s. As I mentioned... What were you going to say? What what was the Summer Olympic that this guy won? In 1920 in Antwerp. They didn't have a separate Winter Olympics. Oh, it was still skating. It was just a summer game. Yeah, he didn't do it different. So that's kind of, uh, I think Eddie Egan did two different sports. Yeah, that's much like, more impressive. Yeah. Not no shade on this guy who won multiple Olympic gold medals, but. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that was, it was more of a technicality. He's still the only male figure skater to win three gold medals. Um, as I mentioned, Grafstrom was exceptionally good at compulsory figures, one of the best compulsory figure skaters ever. He also invented the Grafstrom pirouette, which is on the back outside edge of the blade and the flying sit-spin, which is when the skater spins in one place while changing positions. So you've definitely seen people do that. That happens literally every act of the modern Winter Olympics. Yeah, he's the guy who invented this. 
Um, what did they do before the Olympics? Did, were they just skating around so in a circle this for no and reason? Compulsory and figures. a triangle and a square <laughs> and maybe like a star. But <laughs> like a figure eight. Yeah. Like this Olympics invented the going up and down in, in one place, mirrored pairs skating. Yeah. That's like 80% of most acts in the figure skating, right? I think that, yeah, they did like jumps, lifts, uh, jumps and lifts in the pair skating that like nobody had ever done yeah. before. Um, yeah. Um, his skating was considered very elegant, and he was especially famous for his interpretation of music. So now we're going to get into... Okay, so this is the thing that I think we're going to head into... We're going to, like, come up against in the next couple episodes, which is questionably Nazi, Nazi stuff. stuff. Um, because... Should we have, like, a little... There's, like, the little, little like, uh, whammies noise where it's wah, just like... Wah, wah. Wah. <laughs> like... But like the thing, the thing that I'm running into is stuff where it's like, hmm, that kind of sounds like Nazi stuff. But like, it's not clear in the sources that I can access online what was actually happening. And I kind of get the feeling that either some of these people were just living their lives and ended up in the, you know, being in Germany or whatever. And or and I mean, some of them probably got whitewashed later. Uh, but so I don't know what the deal is, but it's questionable. Questionable Nazi stuff. We can invent a theme song. Yes. <laughs> so the Wikipedia entry about him doesn't get into his politics, but it is worth mentioning that he moved to Potsdam, Germany in 1925 and stayed there until he died of blood poisoning in 1938, which is questionable. He earned a degree at the Technical University of Berlin while he was there and collected graphics, paintings, and sculptures while skating, a collection his wife continued until she died and donated to the World Skating Museum in Colorado Springs. What, what kind of paintings? Oh, oh it was skating. all skating. Oh, okay. It I was, was like, were they Nazi no, paintings? He was <laughs> collecting paintings while he was skating. He was collecting paintings of skating. Okay, got it. I'm just wondering where the Nazi stuff comes in. Uh, we're getting to the women. <laughs> okay. All right, so in the women's competition, we saw the beginning of a legendary career. Although the legend in question didn't medal. She actually came in last. The gold medalist was Herma Jabo of Austria. Beatrix Laugren of Lugren, Laugren of the U.S. won silver. And Ethel Muckelt of Great Britain won bronze. And Andrea Jolie of that French pair came in fifth. Worth mentioning is Jabo's scandalously sh short skirt. And I could not find any pictures that I could recognize of a very short skirt, so I'm guessing it was a little bit above the knee. <laughs> uh, so the legend in question was Sonia Heaney, who was the one I'm like, you've heard of her. Um, she was famous. You've heard the name before, uh, even if you don't recognize it. She This was her Olympic debut. She was a lot like, of head shaking going on at this table right 11 now. years old when she made oh her Olympic Oh, my God. Debut. Yeah. She won her first major competition the year before, winning this, the Senior Norwegian Championships at the age of 10. And I'm guessing senior doesn't mean, like, seniors. <laughs> no, it must mean, like, I senior mean, she's year 11. of elementary school. Yeah. yeah, no, she was 10 when she won that. Oh, my God. Her lack of experience was very evident in 1924. When she's 11. Yeah. She <laughs> no excuses. She wow, she just doesn't have very much experience, I guess. Well, she repeatedly skated over to her coach during her routine and asked for direction. <laughs> Less. I think she was having trouble with the truncated. Look, when you don't know how to do something, you ask no, for help, it's, and then you, she became good. You so. go back, and it's like, they took away half of the field. What do I do? Yeah. I don't know. Just, like, flips your shit, and then you just do it. Yeah, uh, she was 11, so she was having trouble, uh, oh my God. you know, 
she you don't have very good adapting like, improv skills yeah her, yeah she wasn't i don't have improv skills now <laughs> obvious uh despite this inauspicious beginning heaney would become the winningest female skater figure well, skater she of all started time. at 11 i could be the winningest female figure skater if i'd started at 11 probably not shut up <laughs> How dare you rain on my parade? Uh, also, a bankable movie star in the 30s and 40s. She was what? beautiful. A yeah. triple threat. Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. You've heard her name I, before. I, have, I swear to you, I have not. What was the third threat? The Nazi stuff. Gotcha. No! No, Frank, you had to ask. We'll be hearing more. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry too. I'm sorry to. No, that was too to good. Lives. I'm sorry. Uh, we'll be hearing more about Heaney in future episodes. But since we implied things about Grafstrom, we should mention that Heaney was very much feted around Nazi Germany. It started before the war when she was when she frequently traveled to Germany to compete in various amateur competitions. It's worth noting too that uh, Heaney she was was she Norwegian? She was Swedish? She was some kind of Scandinavian? Where are we? Uh, yeah, she was Norwegian, and she was beautiful, blonde, wonderful athlete. So she was very popular in Nazi Germany. Um, and she was a wealthy celebrity, and at the very least was in the same social circles as Hitler, uh, going so far as to accept an invitation to a personal lunch with him at his resort home after the 1936 Winter Olympics. And... She also did this with, like, everywhere she went. She would always get invited by the local heads of state. She would always go. So she... How much was she actually part of it? She wasn't speaking out against it. Um, she never publicly supported or criticized the fascist dictator or his regime. And by 1930... But by 1939, she started a movie about a heroic Nobel laureate resisting the Nazis. She later became an American citizen during the 40s and volunteered with the USO during the war. So I think she was doing that thing where she was just trying to be like, I'm not political and that is not a good way to handle Nazis. (laughs) It doesn't work. Yeah. But they didn't know that then. Here's the thing. We know that now. And still people are doing that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's fun. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that's our, that's, that's most... Like, for this uh, this uh, particular episode, that's about all the Nazi stuff we're going to get into. Do we need to come I, out and say that this podcast is explicitly anti-Nazi? Yeah, we're, we're, we're <laughs> going to make We are explicitly anti-Nazi. Yeah. We can just say that. Like, you know, Nazis, so I think they're thing. bad, actually. I'm going to start saying it every episode you know, I'm gonna that you go, have me like, on. Umbrella, like, all white supremacists. Not they're all white. bad, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's bad. It's bad, and we'll, it'll come up multiple times, but... In this run-up to World War II, especially I mean, the closer we get to 1936. Back in the day, it turns out people were terrible. Yeah, back today. They were terrible without too. the help of Twitter.com, which is kind of incredible. <laughs> you think about it. They had to work extra They're hard. They're gonna shut down our Twitter account. No one should ever go on Twitter.com. We no. Unless have, it's to follow yeah, Olympic-sized podcast. We have dozens of <laughs> listeners, and Twitter is gonna shut us the last, down. The last we're too place. Powerful. You no. should please all migrate off of Twitter and follow us on Instagram. We don't have Instagram. We don't have a mastodon. We should get a mastodon. I don't know what mastodon is. I don't know what mastodon is. is I either. tried and I don't understand. One it. time Hannah told me she joined some French mastodon that was run by like Witches? That's a cult. Yeah, you're talking about a, a cult. Yeah, it was only open like an hour a week. They all spoke French and I was like, "Why are you in this?" and she could not explain it to me and I was like, "I don't think this social network is for me." I don't understand the entire thing. I tried and I I'm old. 
I wanted to be a cool French witch, but like, not don't we all so You're much that I had to like read. Right don't we all want to be a cool French? But like, not so that's much like that I would dream. find out what Mastodon is. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Speed skating. We did have this. Speed skating was the first event of the 1924 Winter Games. So that's I know we go in alphabetical order. That's why we're talking about it now. Uh, oh, I just got that. Oh, wait. <laughs> have we been doing this the whole time? Yeah, this is like the 18th episode. We've been in alphabetical order the whole time. Yep. That explains our track and field at the end. No, I... <gasps> oh my god! No, no, we do alphabetical order and I save track and field for the end because it's the oh, okay. section. When will we get to Quidditch? Uh, I'm gonna leave. Read, now. When, you, when you read another book. I'm gonna, <laughs> like, I'm gonna self-select that I have to leave now. <laughs> Speed skating. There are five events. Just different lengths. That's yeah. not how length works That's in how races. Works. No. No, you can't uh, sprint. <laughs> you can't just extrapolate. I get, annoyed, I get annoyed when they're like, "There's all these different events. We're just gonna go a little further." Yeah. Cheating. Mm. It's Cheat. completely different strategy how you approach these All races. the horse stuff is different stuff. They do different things on like, the horse. You don't get to bring them up. Horse biathlon. We that put the sounds... horse on the skis and then you shoot from the back of the horse. That sounds I don't great, think actually. that's what you do with horses in the snow. Put the you just horse get horses on... with bigger hooves. You put it on the skis. Yeah, hooves that are bigger and also longer uh, in the shape you... of a ski. Point Can we talk around? about speed skating? <laughs> no. <laughs> Alright, uh, the all-around, uh, and the all-around. The all-around wasn't a separate event. They just tallied up the places of all the skaters who competed in the other four races and determined who did the best overall. There were 31 athletes from 10 nations participating, all men, because only men were allowed to compete. So no Bonnie Blair in this one. Disappointing. The Americans came in hot with the first gold medal, won at the first Winter Olympics when Charles Jutra won the 500-meter race. I have a question. Should I save it for the end? No, go ahead. What did they wear? Because, uh, like, all I can think of when I think about speed skating is, like, their little, like, spandex suits. So, like, no, what they did they wear spandex. back in the day? The no, yeah. Oh, was, my God. Just, like, outside. denim jeans and flannel. <laughs> <laughs> this was all out. Yeah, it was all outside because they didn't have the uh, technology to have indoor race. Yeah, I didn't think about that either. Yeah. But, like, yeah, they're just, like, a little, like, wool pants. They've only barely figured out how to have indoor swimming pools. They definitely don't have indoor rinks right now. Um, Sorry, I just like to be able to picture it. Yes, yes, picture uh, Charles Dutra with his like wool hat oh, and his sweater. Hats. He was the the American champion at the time and holder of the national record of, in the one hundred yard race with a time of nine point four seconds. But he was considered an underdog versus the Scandinavian skaters, and with good reason, which we'll get into in a minute when we talk about the other events. Klaus Thunberg of Finland, in particular, was the heavy favorite in the five hundred meter. The races were held on an outside rink with only two skaters and only two skaters on the ice at a time. There were 27 competitors in the 500 meter race, so there were 13 rounds of two and one round of just one racing. Uh, whoever had the fastest time won the gold, etc. I feel like rounds are, or heats of two is a little unfair because you're going to have a much wider variance of the relative strength of the heats. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think this was for safety reasons mm. at the time. Because, uh, again, this was just on a lake. And you don't want to have, like, eight guys swimming as fast and as they can around the Swimming lake. as fast as they can? Yeah, swimming. Well, they will be if they yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, sorry, time. racing. Yeah, skating as fast as they can. Um, and they still do some events like this now. Uh, but they will do the mass starts on others. Uh, there were 27. Okay. Whoever had the fastest time won the gold. 
Dutra raced against Charlie Gorman of Canada, and they got off to such a fast start, the crowd audibly gasped. <laughs> Their time at the first 100 meters was 10.5 seconds, with a final time of 44 seconds. Gorman finished with 45.4 seconds, which is good enough for seventh place. He was like one and a half seconds behind Charles Dutra, Jeez. and that put him in seventh. Uh, Silver went to Oscar Olsen of Norway, and favorite Claus Thunberg tied with Norwegian Roald Larsen for the bronze. These are very close times for the top ten or so competitors. Yeah. How Roald... confident are we in these measurements? They, I mean, they, they, they have at this point managed to time things to the hundredth of a second. Okay. They have the technology. They have the technology, but they don't seem to have the wherewithal to t- handle numbers correctly. We will IRC. get to that. That is coming up in the ski jumping. Jutra <laughs> uh, didn't. Ski jump. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> foreshadowing. There's some ski jumping shenaniganery. Jutra um, didn't med- medal in any other race and didn't compete in another Olympics after 1924. However, oh, Thunberg wasn't done with just a bronze. He won gold in the 1500 meter and the 5000 meter races, silver in the 10,000 meter. I put kilometer. 10,000 meter. <laughs> the 10,000 kilometer race sounds great. You would. Like dig a ridge in the ice. I would love to see that. <laughs> they, co- they 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 would like show the start of the race and then two weeks later, all right, let's check in on them. They're all <laughs> He's dead. going real. They slow. died. There's a zamboni behind him, <laughs> just pushing him off the ice. <laughs> well, he has to, otherwise they're gonna wear the groove all the way in the end. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The groove. Uh, uh, th- okay, and he won gold in the all around. He won a medal in every speed skating event at these games, which were held over a period of two days. That's a lot of meters. Uh, in <laughs> fact, other than Charles Jutra, all speed skating medals were won by either Finnish or Norwegian skaters, with Finland taking all of the other golds and Norway taking four of the bronzes and three of the silvers. Sounds to me like their team had figured out some kind of either skating technique Scam. or equipment. Or they just... Scam. Or they just... It's not. It's like winter for nine months of the year where they are, so they're just better, better on skates than they are on their feet. <laughs> Charles Thunberg won the highest percentage of medals at a single Winter Games ever. Still? Nice. To, well, still. it's going to get harder as we add more oh, events. Right, no, yeah. right, right. To this day, Once we add skeleton, you got to be good at skeleton to win this over. percentage, right? <laughs> to this day, nobody has dominated a Winter Games the way he did in 1924. What's really significant about that is he didn't even participate in any kind of athletics until he was 18. Before that, he was mostly known for smoking and drinking a lot. My hero. Yeah, he rules. This guy's great. That girl who was like 11, whatever, she doesn't know how to have a nice time. She might, well, we don't know that. She might have been drinking and smoking and You're you're not wrong. It was 1920. But somebody got him to start speed skating. Sorry. She was drinking wine. That's why she had to keep stopping. I don't remember what I'm supposed to do, Coach. It is my goal to offend any foreign international listeners we may have. Well, right now, I think mostly our international listeners are Australian, so good luck. Yeah, they can't beat you. Can't beat them. (laughs) um, But somebody got him to start speed skating, and that became his new obsession. And since they don't give Olympic medals for chain smoking, that's what he's remembered for. We'll hear more about Thunberg at the next Winter Games as well. I got a new idea for a sport. Hold on, hear me out. But the, the symbol for it is just like uh, Spike Spiegel from Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> yes. uh, in front of the no smoking sign. 
Perfect. All right, uh, military patrol skiing is something we don't do anymore. I have never heard of it. But it is similar to current events that we do. Is Not, it the biathlon? It's it is skiing similar, with it, holding a gun? It is similar to the biathlon. For some reason, there were major discrepancies for years as to whether or not this was a medal event. Same with curling. Uh, military patrol skiing was a demonstration sport in 1928, 1936, and 1948, but it was a medal event in 1924, uh, but they did say in that report that it was a medal event. But then okay. later, it was like the thing where people said that golf was only in one event, one uh, Olympics, but then it was in like three. Uh, or, what, or, what or it was something like, like that. Number. It was something like, what, or was it? golf only in one, but then the, everybody says it was never an Olympic event, but it was in like 1900. Are you the first person to try to do a history of the Olympics? Cause no, there's Bill Mallon. Feeling. Bill Mallon did like up until 1920. So yeah, see, you surpassed him. Yeah. Have, she you, has become the you master. You are now the number I'm one Olympic to historian. I'm trying the, what is it, the International Society of Olympic Historians, but they haven't gotten back to me on whether or not a podcast counts, because I haven't published a, an article. Oh, <laughs> we can wow. just transcribe a podcast episode wanna, and publish wow, it. Wow, no, like, yeah. they're against new media. We That's can just them. hire someone to transcribe a podcast. I email them again and be like, if I pay you money, will you let me in? E- email <laughs> them, but it's like a cool picture of all of us no, doing no, a pose where not. our arms are crossed and we look really intimidating. If, yeah, see, they're going to respond no, to that. Or, if they don't or, like that or where I'm, I'm wearing my sunglasses and my big floppy hat and I'm on my phone saying I don't have time for this yes. which is what I'm going to say when you try to call me while I'm at the beach next week I'm thinking don't email them send them a letter an Ooh. analog letter they'll respond to that longhand include the, the podcast file as like bike In coders include, <laughs> include a photo of all of us chain smoking at the age of 11 <laughs> we have ideas for that new that might events. or might not exist for me I have to go check <laughs> I've got Photoshop we did grow up uh, we did all grow up in Appalachia yeah. I'm yeah. Yeah. look <laughs> things happened we, we've all got eons of experience hey, but we all have all our teeth and that's what matters <laughs> we got help with all of our teeth here uh, we are on the west coast okay so I I had some pulled but they were orthodontic it's fine treatment I didn't lose them because they fell out of my mouth alright anyway that's important important distinction anyway uh Military patrol skiing. Uh, the number of a number of sources list it as demonstration only for some reason, but the IOC says no. It was it was a real event this one time. Current the current version of this sport is the biathlon, which combines cross country skiing and target shooting. The major difference with the military patrol skiing is it also included ski mountaineering. So like you need to get on some skis, climb this hill, and then shoot something. Yes. Amazing. Bring it back. The event comprised of a 25-kilometer race, including a climb that had to be from 500 meters to 1,200 meters in height, and rifle shooting. It was raced by a whole team on patrol consisting of one officer, one non-commissioned officer, NCO, and two privates. The officer carried a pistol instead of a rifle, and the NCO and the privates had to carry packs of at least 24 kilograms. What's that in American kilograms? But what does I mean pounds? I think it's close to 50 pounds. Okay. Uh, they should bring it back. And since it's three events, they could call it the triathlon. <laughs> it, I, I think they're trying to... It's still kind of just two events with a hill, though. 
And then uh-huh. they have to carry the packs. They don't carry the packs in biathlon, I don't think. They just carry their gun, yeah. They yeah. don't carry anything extra. Yeah, they have to wear like backpacks and climb a mountain. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah I think, I'm bored. Well, I think they did in that German military games, the t- combat oh, games. Don't bring those up. You're bumming me out. Okay, uh, yeah, well, you're... I forgot they we were still, still going to do a war. Yeah, we're still still keep reminding me. We have to do the 1936 games. We don't. I don't want to. <laughs> Nobody's making yeah. this except for you. We had. We just won't no, show off that we talk about this. I will talk about it by myself. It's important. Okay. Uh, the Swiss team took gold with a time of three hours, fifty-nine minutes, and six seconds, and eight shots on target. Because it's a combination of shots on target and the time that means your score. France won silver with a time of 4 hours and 10 seconds and 11 shots on target. So the time, I think, outweighs the shots. Um, And France, the other French team, took bronze with a time of 4 hours, 18 minutes, 53 seconds, and 2 shots on target. Is it the same system where missed shots on target just adds time to your race? I have no idea. Okay. Uh, They didn't get into that. This was the only time... Olympic medals were awarded for military patrol, and it wouldn't be until 1960 that the biathlon was introduced as an Olympic event. So we have a while before we get back to the best skiing event. Thank you. The only armed skiing event that I'm aware of. Yeah, it is. And therefore it's the best. Yeah, and therefore the best. Although I guess this military patrol is another armed skiing event. Now it's contending for first or second place. It's kind of fun to think of, like, other Olympic events just with guns added. (laughs) Right? Yes. Speed skating with guns. Curling. Horse jumping with Horse guns. Horse jumping with guns. Rhythmic gymnastics with guns. <laughs> For some reason, I'm imagining gymnastics involving guns, though. With the like, one where you, you have to be let, really careful. The one where you just <laughs> let, like, 20 dudes onto the ring at once, and they just all use different equipment simultaneously with guns. <laughs> they could just call it the American Olympics. Like, this is really going to pan uh, out. Hockey with guns. <laughs> that's just... No, enough. that's a bad idea. <laughs> and the rest of these were good ideas? Yes. <laughs> they were all winners. Cross-country skiing. There were two cross-country skiing events at the 1924 Olympics. The 50-kilometer race held on Wednesday, January 30th, and the 18-kilometer race held on Wednesday, February 2nd. 59 skiers from 12 nations competed in these events, and but only two countries meddled in them. Norway and Finland. The MVPs. Norway very nearly swept with two golds, two silvers, and one bronze, but Finnish skier Tapani Niku managed to win a bronze in the 18-meter race. Norway's dominance of this and some of the other skiing events we're going to discuss. Actually, I should say, there's only one other skiing event. uh, Ski jumping, which is where we get into the math. Um, But their dominance was due largely thanks to one man, Thorleif Haug. Good name. Thorleif. Haug may not be a household name in America, where most of our audience is located, and probably not Australia either, I'm going to say. But he definitely is in his native Nor- is a household name in his native Norway. Multiple roads, ski runs, and races are named after him, and there's a bronze statue of him in his hometown of Drammen. So we'll talk about why. The first cross-country race held the 24 games we said was the 50-kilometer 50, 50 race. Today, this is the last event held during the Winter Games. Timed so it ends a few hours before the closing ceremonies. If you're paying attention to closing ceremonies at the Winter Olympics, they always have all the skiers coming in and then kind of kick everything off. Um, They hadn't worked out the tradition yet. In these races, the competitors didn't all start at once, but in timed sequences. Haug was the 23rd to start and the third to finish, passing 20 other athletes on the way to having the shortest time. I see that the number 23 has come up again. Yes. It is everywhere. It controls our lives. 
Uh, okay. Uh, he was two minutes faster than the silver medalist and three minutes faster than the bronze medalist, fellow Norwegians Thoralf Stromstad and Johan Grottumsbratten. There's a lot of uh, vowels with accents. Umlauts. Not umlauts. There's like the O with a slash through it and the A with a little dot over it. I like that little guy. Yeah. Yeah, a little like null sign letter. Yeah. I, I know how to do the umlaut vowels. I, some of these I don't know. Uh, the second cross-country race was held on February 4th. The 18-kilometer race is a faster race and arguably less grueling. It's important to note at this point that the gliding, ski, skating style that we see today wasn't used in competition until the 1980s. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure what cross-country skiing looked like in the 1920s, but I think it was more faster steps along the track instead of the long, sweeping strides. 41 skiers from 12 nations participated in this event. Haug was the 34th to start and the 8th to finish. Uh, Grottems Brayton, I don't want to say that, those vowels, won a silver in the race, finishing a little over a minute behind Haug and Topani Nico of Finland, managed to win the bronze, so the Norwegian, Norwegians didn't sweep both skiing events. But the Scandinavians had a good showing in the first Winter Olympics, <laughs> as they will in pretty much all of them. Uh, ski jumping was the last of the Nordic skiing events held at the 1924 Games, which is the opposite of how these things are run today. It was also held on February 4th after the 18-kilometer race. So Haug won the gold in the 18-kilometer race and then went on to compete in ski jumping on the same day. <laughs> Impressive. Yeah. Uh, ski jumping, how much of that is downhill? Can he just take a quick nap when he's building up speed towards the ramp? <laughs> yeah, I was like, how hard is it? You just throw yourself off How hard is ski jumping? It's probably not even very... I it can't finish that sentence. It's, barely, it's basically not a sport. It's like throwing a sack of potatoes down a hill. That wait, sounds wait. like a great sport. <laughs> that sounds like a Scottish sport. Yeah. <laughs> it's very close to cheese rolling. <laughs> All right. Now, so, you might think that ski jumping is just a contest about who can jump farther. Further farthest is it not literally that no uh and it's a good thing the germans weren't there because they might have protested the fact that it's not just the distance but how stylishly you do it hell yes fancy snow entry yes (laughs) we're not being graded on how fancily we can land it's france everything is fancy (laughs) you can't win gold if you ain't cute (laughs) what Where's the lie? So is it just a matter of you lose points for each leg that you break on landing after the ski <laughs> no, jump? No, you have to look very graceful in the air. Oh, so you can break your legs as long as you look graceful doing it. I guess. You, you must become a swan. Anders Haugen of the U.S. had the furthest jump at 50 meters, but he didn't win the gold. He, he looked like an idiot. He did. He did. And they were like, no, we can't put him on a postage stamp. He didn't even medal. Disqualified. He looks like crap. He is a garbage jumper. His form, gross. His form must have been pretty good to get the greatest distance. Need some aerodynamics on that? I hate this man. He sickens me. Bring me someone with some grace and style. And enter Norwegian skier Tullin Thams. He flies like an angel. He had developed. (laughs) He sails through the air like a beautiful beast. He had developed a new method of jumping. And it had a totally cool name. He, he definitely had the style part of this down. Yeah, I'm into this already. He would bend his upper body at the hips and extend his arms at the front, keeping his skis parallel to each other. So that is a Superman, a Superman jump. jump. That is a Superman Woo, jump. Whoa, 
Does he wear a cape? No. He uh, he called this the Kongsburger. To be fair. Which is stupid just for Superman. Yeah. <laughs> Had Superman come out at this point? 1924? No, I don't think so. No, no. Superman was pre-World War II. I think, I think it might have been 30s. I don't think he was in the 20s. This, I think this predates Superman. Kongsburger. And I, I, like I should him, know this. This guy's the actual inventor of Superman. It, it wasn't, but it wasn't just super stylish and very impressive to the judges. Uh, it also allowed him to jump much further than he had been able to before. But not as far, it's important to note, as the guy who actually not, jumped the furthest. Yeah, as, as the American. Anders Haugen. Uh, he, he was an American. Wasn't he the American? He was American. Oh. And I'm picturing him as like the American from the mummy, who's just some guy with a gun in his hand. <laughs> he has a gun and a mullet in my head as He's well. He's just shooting backwards and propelling himself <laughs> farther. That was why it was in a, in a, unelegant. They were like, we hate this guy. It doesn't surprise me at all that the American had no style or grace, though. That actually does check out. Uh, he, I am imagining a guy with a beer gut now. I'm just in a mullet. It's all there. Okay, it's so... It's beautiful to me. Yeah. Sorry. He was sure that this Kongsberger style would get him to the 100 meter jump, which at this time was like the four minute mile, a physical feat that everybody thought was possible, but nobody had actually managed to accomplish yet. There was a couple things like that. There was like the 10, like the le- doing the 100 meter dash in less than 10 seconds. There were a couple right. things that were like, we, we know this is physically possible if somebody could just do it. Has anyone done a four minute mile? Yes. Great. Yeah, Good for them. That makes that's me very feel, fast. That makes me feel very sad for myself. Uh, I mean, at the Olympics, at these Olympics, Thams didn't even record the longest jump. Like we said, Haugen did. He made it to 49 meters, but the style was so cool it pushed him into first place. Did he wear sunglasses while he did it? <laughs> he did totally a wore screaming a wool hat. Was there an explosion behind him that he didn't yeah. come out and look at? Yes. <laughs> there was an avalanche coming down the yeah. mountain behind him, and they were like, that is so cool. That is dope. Fellow Norwegian Narvi Bona also recorded a jump of 49 meters, and he got silver for similar style-related reasons, and the redoubtable Thorleif Haugnad bronze. I think we should bring back subjective weirdness to, like, every sport. Like, every sport should be judged like figure skating. Like, sure, your team won the hockey game, but did you look cute? <laughs> what were your outfits like? You're, yeah, you're, you had showed too much of your, like, chess, we'll get into that. We're with, not into uh, it. Katarina Witt. Who likes? Yeah, I think we should be judging men's sports that are not subjective, are your unsubjective. Outfits too sexy because yes, the- uh, they are in some of those sports. I'll tell you what, football players, it should be illegal. Yeah, you were talking about the speed skaters, <laughs> really? the speed skaters. Yeah, like do uh, football pads are, are upsetting to me in a way that I don't want to talk about. In a way that is sexy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. But yeah, we'll get to Katarina Vitt when she shows up later, but she did force a rules change in what you could wear because her Amazing. outfits were too sexy. I love that. When I was in high school, I left a mark in the dress code book of my high school, and I felt really very excited about that. It was just related to socks. <laughs> so Socks I, were too low there were the, or too high? There weren't and... any rules about what kind of socks you could wear, so I would wear weird socks to work. like or, To school? Or, to school. The work of childhood. The work of childhood. And and, and I wore uh, thigh-high rainbow socks under my knee-length skirt, that... and uh, they were like, wow, we have to amend this rule book. Really? Yeah. There were, like, rainbow well, I was Well, I went to school where we could only wear, like, khakis and, like, Ugh. polo shirts, and uh, we had to learn about Jesus every day, but it's not important. Jeez, rainbows, Genesis, Noah's Ark. They no, they were gay rainbows, shit. Frank, That's, and they knew. Look, <laughs> they, <laughs> the problem. Okay. There was the real problem. I'm still on board, but okay. All right, anyway, back to... Uh, 
the ski jumping, and you can't win gold if you ain't cute. Uh, this frustrating turn of events for Haugen was not the end of the story, because 50 years later, in 1974, the 1924 Olympic, uh, Norwegian Olympic ski team was having their 50th anniversary party, and Norwegian sports historian Jakob Vag, Vagi, V-A-A-G-E, uh, realized that there had been an error in calculating the scores. Haugen had actually scored 0.095 points higher than Haug and had earned the bronze medal. They pulled a Eurovision. This discovery <laughs> was verified by the IOC. So Haugen was invited to the reunion, and Haug's daughter, because at this point Thorleaf had passed, uh, gave the bronze medal to its rightful winner. Wow, that's a crappy way to treat your dad. <laughs> Anders Haugen is still the only American ski jumper to ever win Olymp uh, any medal at the Winter Games. By point zero 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 nine points in a rounding error but 70 years later. But still a winner. Point, uh, zero point zero nine five. Here's the thing, Frank. Okay. We're American. We'll take it. He's the only one to ever medal. The only American to ever medal in ski jumping at the Again. Olympics. Uh, if they brought back style points, we probably could win. Though they still do style points. We're just right. not cute enough. <laughs> no, that checks out. <laughs> we gotta, I forgot about the Scandinavian. We gotta start throwing like nodded. grenades behind us so we can have. I like the explosion, the explosion that we don't. I look think at. we have a really good direction that yeah. we're moving in yeah. here. More strange uh, World War II era weapons involved <laughs> in the Olympics. And then the Nordic combined skiing was like the all-around speed skating, where it wasn't a separate event. It was just a compilation of the scores from the others. And calling it Nordics would seem to like bias a few countries. Yeah, well, uh... Did they win? Thorley Haug won the gold yeah. Oh, I wow. don't see a problem. It's just accurate. Uh, even with his uh, corrected score where he didn't get that bronze in ski jumping, he still won. There wasn't any so, change like, there. So, like, he didn't even need it. Yeah. It was like, so, like, it was more like his daughter, like, gave it away because, like, we have dozens of these and we don't have anywhere to put them in the <laughs> yeah. house anymore. I'm please, like, honestly, please, please take, take some Olympic medals. I have no space for these <laughs> in my throws, She, like, throws a bunch of parties and she's like, everybody gets a medal, please. <laughs> Don't forget to take your medal. <laughs> we don't want them. We have too many. And there was no downhill skiing events at these Olympics. Wait, that's the only, the only skiing. way that you can ski on yeah, a hill. Yeah, I was going to say, are there uphill? I mean, well, the biathlon. In, yeah, in that oh my control. God, there are. Yeah, they, they skied uphill in the military I control. was trying to be contrarian. <laughs> so were these Olympics, apparently. But, yeah, that was it. All in all, the 1924 games were pretty calm. No major disasters. The wildest story was due to a calculation error of less no than one-tenth of a point. No one died. No one was trying to conduct weird experiments on, on athletes. athletes. without their consent or knowledge. Uh, there was no strict nine that we talked about. Yeah, the Germans weren't allowed to con. And they I, also, I love it. <laughs> they also didn't actually know they were competing in a Winter Olympics, in keeping with most of the Olympians from the 1900 Paris Games. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. That's not their fault. And Look, uh, next time we'll talk about 1924, and which, you know, knock on wood, I might be able to get out because I'm going to be on vacation with other people to look at my child sometime, so maybe I'll get some work done. <laughs> Hoping. Uh, <laughs> well, working we'll vacation. for you. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. Anyway. So what were the, other than this being... So what did we learn here today? Well, what did we learn here today? Uh, but to be stylish. Yeah, always look cute while you're ABS, jumping A-B-S, always be stylish. Always be looking cute. Get what your friend the... to check your outfit before you go down the hill, or you might jump the furthest, but not metal. Well, we needed, like, some cool scarves to trail. Can you imagine a scarf that's look? like a cape? Yes. Yeah. While you do the you gotta do the You gotta do the Superman. 
Yes. Go flat out. Just commit to it. You have to commit to the bit. That's what we learned today. Yeah, overall, I think that's accurate. That's, that's um, And, like, don't do Nazi stuff. That was the other thing we learned, right? Yeah, well, yeah, don't, we don't, knew that. Yeah, uh, don't accept invitations from fascist dictators to go to lunch at their... Yeah, because, like, least, later, or, when you have those pictures of you with, the, with, with Hitler, like, people are going to talk. Yeah. I will say, if you accept that invitation and then, like, very quickly say, oh, this sucked, actually, this person's bad, like, I would believe that but, you were an idiot who just didn't realize yeah. until, like... It was happening that, like, oh, this guy sucks. Actually, more importantly than, like, you'll have pictures with Hitler that later people will remark on, it's like that you have to actually spend time with Hitler, and that has got to suck. It doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound fun. It doesn't sound like a fun time. I'm just saying, there's, like, in my mind, there's a little bit of a grace window where if you come out, you're like, actually, guys, hold on, this dude's terrible. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay, it's gonna cool. be like I'm gonna talk uh-huh. about my racist views and make you look at my terrible art. And I'm but like, I don't it, wanna hang out with you. You you're terrible. If it's like if it's like ten years later, I'm like maybe you could have said that earlier. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like yeah. Ever, which she never She never did. Oh mm. I thought you said she did the um she anti- did the movie. But she didn't say anything. Yeah, she did the mm, anti fascist movie. She's too polite. But she didn't cool, really but talk. like, no, she throw a milkshake at that guy. Yeah, she wasn't, she didn't say anything about politics ever. Uh, so it wasn't like a glaring omission of that in particular. It was just kind of like, you could have. You could have said Look, something. it's important to say Nazis are bad. Yes. It's, if it's, we've learned nothing else. Yes, they, that is our, our, our the official moral of the story. Nazis are bad, you should say so. This unofficial Olympics podcast is that Nazis are bad. Yes. Okay, so that's it for us today. Now that we've... Uh, schooled you all on our opinions uh remember to like rate subscribe and review on itunes or wherever else you're listening to this uh soundcloud i don't know uh find us on do we have a soundcloud that's where i upload all oh that's internet archive 101 that's where i listen to most of my podcasts yeah that's where that's where i don't listen to this podcast because i'm on it (laughs) i do i do because i have to edit it (laughs) that sounds awful i'm so sorry (laughs) i have to like i have to gonna have to cut out all of frank swears from this one i know i know oh i was horrified every time you did it and yet your facial reaction portrayed nothing yeah Yeah, because i was busy yeah Frank, you could try yeah. it. Wow. <laughs> I really like this dynamic. This is fun. We're going to explore we're this. We're relaxing. Episode 18, we're kind of like finding... That's where you really well, have a groove. This isn't an official episode because it wasn't an official Olympics, right? No, it's an official episode. No, it's real. Oh, no, this really happens. Yeah. You will not be recurring guests. Yeah, no. You can't Frank, I'm sorry. Yeah, you've got it. Yeah. We've decided now that the official stance of this look, podcast is we're going to berate you. You better look real cute next time. <laughs> 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 anyway, like, rate, review, subscribe, you know, help us out that way. It raises our profile, maybe. Uh, find us on Twitter at Olympic Size Cast, where mostly I just tweet when we have a new episode up, in case you didn't know that. Uh, email us at OlympicSizePodcast at gmail.com if you want to tell me how Sarah actually managed to offend an Australian. <laughs> or if you have any I would other love feedback. to hear her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or if you have a request for an Olympics, uh, let us know which year you want us to cover, and we'll get to it chronologically. <laughs> I'll work on my Australian insults. <laughs> I like. What can you actually say to offend an Australian, though? I don't know. I don't know. But I guess I'm gonna maybe, find out. Maybe confuse them for a, a kiwi if they if you. Tell I don't them even you, know if that would do it. I think that would probably offend the New Zealander more. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I don't think that that's gonna. <laughs> okay. I'm figure it out. Anyway, thanks, guys. I'm gonna go to the beach and and hopefully get a tan and some work done. Goodbye so, forever. Yeah, goodbye forever. I'm never coming back. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> then there goes the fanfare. <laughs>